Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services. Now to our host. Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented to you by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro and I'll be your host today. I'm joined once again by the directors of Ropan Financial Services, Jason Panotzotile and Rodney Gillum to discuss all things wealth. Boys, welcome back for another podcast. How are you? Excellent. It's Monday morning. We're ready to go, John. Yes. And you're particularly relaxed, Jason. I'm in the zone. Yes. I'm in the zone. Yep. It's good. Fresh how, fresh from a, a nice trip overseas, had a, let some steam off, got some Italian sun. How are you feeling? The summer was amazing. The culture vibrant, the food fantastic, the people friendly. Game on. And the espresso. Perfect. Yeah, just how we like it. No paper cups. <laughs> <laughs> Always porcelain over there, mate. And it's warm and it's thick. I know. It's I know true, it's true. I like my coffee yeah, too. that's it. Rodney, you and I have been living a, an average life back here. Mm, a little Instead, bit. Yeah, how are you? Oh, yeah, we're chipping away Monday morning. We just doubled up with our coffee. So, yeah, it's good. Good to be in and, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it unfolds. Excellent. How's mm. the fishing been? Uh, a little bit quiet, John. Yeah, we've taken on the Inverloch Bar over recent weeks and hasn't really provided for us, mm. but you've got to be in it to win it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I've done some fishing at Inverloch and generally catch next to nothing. Um, <laughs> quite good at losing my bait and most of the time my tackle as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that jetty at Inverloch, the best thing for that is probably jumping off in, uh, in the hot weather in summer. So Going for a swim. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way. Anyway, it's always fun. Guys, we're back to talk about uh, finance and, and all things wealth. And uh, I suppose that the current market is moving around a lot. I noticed an article last week where the governor for the RBA said that maybe the worst has passed us and that um, you know, good things are afoot or at least things are settling down. We've got inflation lowering. What's your take on that initial point? Because I think that's probably good news for a lot of people. Yeah, certainly interesting times. But from our perspective, we're seeing with the investment markets that the returns or the capital values probably bottomed out about 10 months ago, 11 months ago. Since then, there's been a steady increase in value of investments pretty generally, um, you know, in the share market and that sort of thing. So for us, we feel that from a, a business point of view, we're coming into a stronger period, um, you know, with client investments looking quite healthy. Um, those that have got some cash and, and term deposit investments who are getting a pretty good return from their, their bank term deposits and cash-based style investments. So from that perspective, it's looking okay. But yeah, like you say, inflation, if they can get that a little bit under control, maybe you know keep interest rates where they are for a little while. And maybe there's a bit of hope for all of us, John. Mm, it certainly doesn't stop the mortgage cliff that they keep talking about, um, which I suppose if you've never heard that term, you know, people with fixed interest rates at, you know, 1.9 or 2 or low 2% coming mm. onto like a 4 or 5, potentially 6% interest. So that jump's going to be noticeable as those as those mature, you know, people are going to notice a jump. But um, what we're hoping for, I suppose, is less of a cliff. <laughs> Maybe three or four stories tall, not the six to yeah. ten stories tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Jace, you got some comments you want to throw to that? Oh, it's interesting. On the other side of the equation, having just come back from overseas, you wouldn't think the inflationary pressures and interest rate rises are impacting people like 
airports were filled to capacity, planes were all full, mm. the price of airfare tickets considerably higher compared to last time I was overseas. Uh, but the general vibe of people was one of enthusiasm and willing to spend a dollar. Mm. So I found that side of uh, you know human behaviour, so to speak, interesting to observe. Yeah, and look, you know, being locked down for two, two to three years, I think there's just an appetite for getting out mm. and enjoying life, you know, and maybe people are finding a way, you know, finding a way to, to, to make it work. Um, yeah, I was at the football Friday night. Good to see Collingwood beat Geelong. If I haven't flagged that already. I'm a big Collingwood supporter and will continue to be for a long time. Yeah. But the whole time, you know, I was just even lining up to go get a beer or lining, you know, mm. lining up to get out of the stadium at the end. Yeah. Just happy to be around people, you know, like yeah. we were locked down for so long. It's just nice to be around people and I don't care. Like, mm, you know, just, yeah. it's just nice to be out. It's good. much more appreciative these days. Well, it's it's funny you say from an investment point of view, fl your flight centres and webjets, their share prices have shot up through the roof. So there is talk that these interest rate rises are slowing people down, but the evidence there doesn't suggest it. From what you're saying, Jason, the, the share prices of those businesses, it's saying it's game on. Uh, I think anything tourism-related, it's definitely game on mm. at the moment, for sure. Well, I've got a note here about, you know, moving this conversation along to the point that well, what percentage of people actually do have a mortgage? Um, I've, I've got a stat here which I actually can't verify, but let's just go with it hypothetically for now anyway. <laughs> there are currently around 10.3 million properties in Australia and of these, 6 million have mortgages against them. So we're talking about 60%. Is that accurate, do you think? It might be more or less? Yeah, it sounds, sounds, sounds fair enough. enough. Yeah. 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 Again, on census night in August 2021, 2021 two-thirds, 66% of households reported that they owned their home either outright or with a mortgage. That rate of home ownership hasn't changed much over the past 25 years. So, you know, those sort of stats are probably pretty accurate. But that means still there's one-third of the market out there that don't, don't own have a mortgage you know um there, there will be some people out there who just aren't affected by these changes you know and they'll, they'll still have an appetite evidently to, to spend to travel to, yeah, you know, to, yeah. To their life well what's the old adage you need a roof over your head food on the table work to generate the income and spending to enjoy it yeah, yeah absolutely so look i think um probably like we've discussed in past podcasts you know it's it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all uh, one way or the other. We just want to see how things go and stay the course, stay the plan. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things we spoke prior to the podcast was regarding people's budgets and, and that sort of thing. And people are probably a little bit more sophisticated than a simple uh, income in, expense out. People will leverage off other assets, be it equity in their, their mortgages or line of credit um, so you might find that some of the, some people that are travelling at the moment are just going, well, bugger it, mm. we're going to draw down against the mortgage, we're going overseas or we're going over to the coast at Western Australia or Queensland or whatever. So I think there's a bit of that that people just don't really care at the moment. Not so much they don't care, but they're just saying, well, we'll worry about it later. Yep, yep, um, yep. They've re-evaluated the objectives, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Certainly in the travels people were doing that, drawing on the equity and so forth and yeah. using that as the discretionary spend. Yeah. 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 I think people realise you have to live, John. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you have to enjoy it to some degree and if incurring some debt is part of that process, then that's the direction they take. Well, mm. the, the term that I heard in – and I'm not sure whether this was a friend or from another podcast I heard, but this idea of a life investment – 
you know, we put our investments into our bank accounts to, to grow our wealth or to, to grow our security. But along the way, we need to invest in our lives. And the money you invest in a holiday once might actually give you years and years and years of benefit, good memories, experiences and whatnot. So mm. um, how's your life investment situation, Jason? My life investment, that's deep and meaningful, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, in all seriousness, I guess overall there's a plan in place in, in one form or another. Uh, but like any other individual, you've got to you've got to keep and check on things. And sometimes you go over budget. Sometimes you go under budget. I think what's important is to try and just ensure whatever it is you're doing is within your means somehow, to some degree, and um, and ensuring you're getting some satisfaction out of that. Yeah, yeah indeed. Mm. Yeah, it's a yeah. That's balance. interesting, John. Back back in the the global financial crisis in '07, we saw. A lot of people that might have got in trouble with lending on investments and things like that, that the first thing often to go is their good investments. So as advisors, it was frustrating for us. We might have a really good portfolio going, but if that had an aspect of their investments that wasn't going well or had to pay out debts, that often hit us up for those investments that were doing well and that were li- liquid, uh, where there are other assets that maybe they couldn't get their money out. And um, so often it was the good aspects of their portfolios that took the hit first but that's life sometimes and maybe that's a part of what we're going through at the moment is you know that the governments are trying to slow spending down obviously there's supply chain issues still um but people will find a way and it and it may not necessarily be logical in terms of growing wealth and being consistent in that but they're the sorts of things that you know probably from an advisor advice perspective is we need to be mindful of and maybe there is a bit of a tolerance there to to maybe soften the approach at times but also like you say have that longer term plan and you know work on those longer term objectives as well so you guys found that with some of your clients in the last little while or certainly this year you know reassessing their plans looking bigger picture or readjusting what their sort of five to ten year maybe 25 year plans are looking like Well, the guys in the office are saying a lot of our retiree-style clients, they're definitely not down in Gippsland or or in Victoria. They're all up north. So, yeah, certainly when they're making the phone call out, they're often calling people up in the afternoon and they're they're either on happy hour or very close to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that, I mean, that there's a a side story to that, isn't there? Follow a plan and then, you know, go and enjoy your retirement in the nice Mm. warm sunny weather and call your advisors and... Get them to do the work for you. Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a good reminder to, to get some advice. You know, that it can be an overwhelming uh, scenario planning and plotting out your finances, but getting advice from from tried and trusted uh, mm. people is worthwhile doing. Whether it's the guys at Ropan or or anyone else that you might know. Um, guys, I wanted to swing back to um, the situation with uh, interest rates and uh, and inflation, and you know, just wonder, you know. We, Let's just talk about the banks and um, potentially the role that the banks might have in this. Um, you know, some banks are notorious for being a little hard to get finance through. Some are opening up and making life a bit easier. Does that? How does that change the market when, say, someone wants to invest in a commercial property or they want to invest in, you know, buying a second house or, you know, it's even doing their own their own mortgage, you know? So how does that sort of the openness of the banks affect um the fluidity of the market. I think in talking to clients, there's probably three themes that come from that, John. The first one's the time frame they're working within. They're willing to extend that out 
if it, if, it, if it means getting the result they're looking for. Secondly, the level of risk appetite, if you like, to undertake that direction is still quite high. So I'm finding people are still willing to take on a level of risk, pay the price for that risk, and um, steer the pathway in regard to making it happen, even if it means taking a bit longer. And the third point probably being um, people are, in general, they're, they're finding um, that they're still looking for they're still looking for an outlet and I think part of that outlet is realigning their goals and trying to get these transactions happening. What's the feeling, Jason, with the banks in terms of maybe like the retail client that might be on wages or salary uh, versus maybe the business owner sector? Is there any feel in relation to the flexibility there and the ability for the banks to work with their clients? I think in the small business sector that it's definitely a different environment compared to what it was three or four years ago mm. and becoming a lot more difficult to and challenging to get uh, transactions transacted. Mm. Um, having said that, um, I think they're still keeping the pathway and steering the direction and, and trying to make it happen. On the retail side uh, or the residential side, I think it's still quite fluid. People are still buying properties, selling properties, readjusting their finances, applying for new loans. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, there's a little bit of talk locally with sort of retrenchments or redundancies and we're seeing a bit of a mixed market with some guys wanting to take the packages early and maybe moving to other employment opportunities. Some might be looking into state, maybe as a lifestyle change, but we're seeing some others that are prepared to maybe move a few towns or cities along and stay within the area um, but take on other opportunities so yeah you're right there there is a bit of flexibility there the word coming from the real estate agents is that it has tightened up a bit particularly recently the investment market appetite has dropped off quite a bit and um, so I think it's back to the old days a bit for the real estate agents in terms of marketing a property for a long time we had a, a client property that was for a you know a, a parent moving into aged care they've had a property that probably wasn't in a gr- great um, state for for sale but that sat on the market for about 12 months they've just recently shifted agent looking for an outcome but in the end the price on that property is probably going to have to be dumped um, mm. we saw another one that was probably the home was a little bit run down and probably needing of a renovation um, we saw the owner take a pretty big hit on the price to get the sale there as well so is there, is there a bit of a lag? I mean, it's somewhat of a lagging indicator in a sense, isn't it? I mean, there'd be some people who have their house on the market now who may have, you know, it might have taken four to six weeks to get it to market and they may have been sitting there thinking about selling it for two to three months, maybe six months. You know, you're not that long back after now after thinking about that sort of lead-in that that's when property prices were still kind of hot. Some people were still getting it, moving units pretty quickly or... Um, you know, prices were still coming in sight unseen, whereas now the, that's stopped, but they're still thinking like they were 12, 18 months ago, you know, and the expectations are out of line. It's a possibility. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you're seeing that in the turnover of properties. You're seeing that in the time frame taken to get loans from the bank. Perhaps people's expectations are historical a little bit in that regard. Mm. Yeah, no doubt things are taking time, aren't they? Definitely. People need to be patient. But I think it's not just the focus on banks and their process and the interest rate cycle, John. I think that's also a reflection of just life in general is a lot more complicated. Mm. It's just difficult to get things done, uh, be it the red tape with small business sector or 
you know, the compliance side with regard to the public sector. Everything just takes time. There's a process you've got to go through and there's a price for that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that extend, the extended time frame in which the things take helps people settle their mindsets about how things go because, you know, you make a decision now based on certain markets, that market's going to be different potentially by the time you're ready to pull the trigger on something. Um, you know, and in time we, we learn to be a bit more patient hopefully. I don't know. Look, it's, I'm sort of receiving varying feedback. For example, I was in Melbourne last week talking to a local business owner and he was sharing with me 10 of his business clients are relocating overseas. And the main objective behind that is the cost of compliance in our country is incredibly expensive mm. and it costs money, resources and time to have a business open. And they're thinking while overseas it's a lot more flexible, there's a little bit less red tape Things are a little bit more possible, so they're willing to explore that uh, that course. That's a big move. Mm-hmm. Mm, that is. I'm not moving my businesses overseas anytime soon. Not even Tolmina. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, I'd like to have a base in Italy. That'd be nice if anyone wants to throw that at me. <laughs> so long as the espresso is good, Jase. <laughs> I'm sure the espresso is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, just working on that concept a little. Um, like it's one thing to hold out for the high price to move on with an asset, you know, we're talking about property, but in the background, your alternate, which is some of the things that we oversee and manage, the the rate of growth since maybe October last year has been 11, 12. I've seen portfolios at 17, 18%. So the problem is if you're a little bit slow in making a decision or meeting the market where the market is, you're actually missing out on the other side. Um in the background to that, there are, again, rules and regulations around like, you know, one of those was a, a client that's moved into aged care. There's a two-year window to sell a home and not be affected with your aged care expenses. So um, this particular home that we spoke about before, I think the the month is November. So it's been around for about two years, this property. If it's not sold by November, then there's, there's issues around the aged care costing and, and set up. So... So all of a sudden, again, you start to be put under pressure to get a result and all of a sudden you dump the price at the end. You've missed out on the return upside in the previous 6 to 12 months mm. and then you take a hit on the back end. So you, you could be down a six-figure sum in terms of your outcome yeah. or more. Yeah, mm. that time delay, yeah, that, that sort of uh, the delay to make a decision or to get action, you know, for a lower price you might have moved things on much quicker and, you know, you're opening yeah. yourself up to what happens next. Yeah, mm. interesting. We mentioned before about um, you know, the changing job market, um, you know, and here in Latrobe Valley where, where we work and live, um, there's some redundancies with some industries closing and this type of thing and the opportunities that poses for someone to either to relocate, like you mentioned earlier, or if they're receiving a package, the package might be one to two years of their revenue or their, their, their income. Um, you know, that risk profile whereby someone might be brave enough to take one of those two years and put that towards an investment or you know, a new business or something like that. Yeah, where, where do people find this confidence? You know, is that, um, is that justified? Is that, is that something that you know, we, we encourage? I, my, my gut feel is it probably is. It's a very individual situation, isn't it? But, um, yeah, there might be different drivers for making decisions to relocate or, or, or stick around to. Um, what's the alternate you know, role, is it locally or is it fly in, fly out? There's there's a lot of that in, in particularly mm. in this area. So, yeah, it's it's very open, but, but we are definitely seeing people wanting to come in for advice on those things too, to make decisions around if they are going to move, say, to Queensland, 
do they retain their home here? Do they buy up there? Do they rent for a while? You know, there could be some upside opportunities maybe to just stretch things a little bit, you know, purchasing an extra property, keeping a rental. Yep. There might be a bit of upside over the next couple of years. I mean, it's hard to crystal ball out at the moment. Things appear to be a little bit tougher in terms of holding an asset and, and getting the growth out of it, particularly property, but who knows? You know, 18 months from now... With inflation still, I, I feel it's going to be persistent. So the way you get your return might be a, a bit different. You might find that properties will will be valued higher over the next couple of years just for the fact that it's more expensive to build properties. So your secondary market's going to be more expensive just because of that. Mm, that's a good point, Rodney. Oh, I think too, John. The other thing too is, um, it, you know, it's objectives with purpose. So mm. people are willing to explore that if the end result's purpose-driven mm. and that could be the greater rate of return, it could be greater flexibility in their investment allocation and portfolios or it could be a sense of generating further income to, to fund the lifestyle that they're looking for, whatever that means. Uh, so the purpose behind the objective is always a, is a, a reality for people. The objective is, quote-unquote, um, a good thing to keep in mind. It's you know, it's it's the idea of having a vision and a plan, mm. isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one thing having a financial plan, but the step before that, I guess, the trigger or the motivation to create a plan, to have a plan, to think that you might even need one. I mean, do you get people coming into you guys with a, a big idea in mind? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what sort of big ideas you're thinking. Oh, I'm curious to know. You know, you would have had a few. You mean like business startups? Or? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, there'd be all sorts of diverse uh, ambition, wouldn't there? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think probably the market we deal with a little bit more on average is probably a bit more of a mature market. Yeah, yeah. And that's not just in terms of age, but it might be um, in terms of, I don't know, for example, I was out boating recently with somebody who, you know, you wouldn't pick whether or not they've, they've got a bit of wealth behind them or not. But then in the background, all of a sudden they start talking about a cafe they opened it down a local seaside area. And then all of a sudden they talk about, gee, this thing turned over like 1,400 coffees a day and we're working 70 hours a week for 10 years. And then all of a sudden you're coming into the boat ramp and they go, oh, gee, we live up there with the water view. And you're like, oh, really? So, so you can't always pick it, but generally those that seem to have a bit of flexibility with their time and follow their path or their purpose you spoke about before normally there's a period of grind behind that yeah mm, yep. um but i guess what you're saying is are we speaking with to those that are that are starting out with that vision we just bought our coffees from a local couple of young local people didn't we jason mm. one's a good footballer um i think his business partner she's been around the cafe scene for a number of years and we commented coming over to the mm. the center here that gee she's really grinded hard in the cafe scene like putting yeah. the big hours in and now they're starting their own business so i think that big idea you're referring to john is the flexibility point that rod's just mentioned and certainly in my travels overseas i spoke to countless people who are looking for that flexibility mm -hmm. so they might reside in one country they may they may want to work in another country or have a business in another country and in that, I think they're looking for lifestyle, mm. yeah. some sort of lifestyle behind the purpose-driven objective. So, mm. um, for example, I have a cousin who is 50, retiring from his uh, diplomatic post uh, next year and transitioning into the private sector. So he's 
for the lack of a better phrase, cashing in in terms of his state pension. And on the other hand, keeping the momentum in regard to his, his skill set, his experience and his, um, uh, what he's trying to seek out of life from mm. a work point it's of view. It's interesting so behind that there is the grind. There is, absolutely. There has, has been a genuine grind. Yep. yep. And um, I think it's just a question of reallocation of resources and where that fits in with what you're trying to do. So they're, they're your bigger picture items you're referring to. Mm. Time, resources, flexibility. Yep, yep. Yeah, we, we talk about wealth but, you know... Uh, an adjunct to that is the, the sense of value and how you spend your time is a value equation, isn't it? You know. It is. Well, I spoke to an entrepreneur overseas and he's quite successful in his own right in the renewable sector and uh, he had some large-scale investors supporting him and wanting to put further capital into his enterprises. And he said to me, he just can't do it. And I, I just questioned him and said, look, it seems to me time and resources are the issue for you. So how can we free up your time, create additional resources beyond your local network and see if you can get to that next level you're trying to reach? And he was quite open in that conversation. So it's the same thing, flexibility and looking for the alternatives to achieve that. Yeah. Is it? I mean, it, it's a refreshing time where we're having these conversations where it's less about, well, how much more can I work to get more dollars? It's, well, no, how much work do I want to work so that I can enjoy my life and mm. I think that conversation is a good one you know maybe did we go too many generations without having that question asking those questions it's a possibility yeah yeah I definitely noticed recently on a, a day out fishing that a lot of the the boats are out in the water they were generally business owners you know that were running the boats and and obviously with that you know there might be some links with you know what they do for a living there might be some deductibility with you know those activities as well so um yeah we do need to look at the structure around how we set up our not so much just our lifestyle but our lives and um there, there definitely a lot of a lot of people out there questioning how they're running things and mm. certainly something we've seen over the years and it's not always the case but often it is the self-made you know millionaire or might be billionaire but it's self-made often can be a way to generate wealth where activities are deductible in what you do, be it the overseas travel, there might be some educational opportunities or business opportunities. It's a, it's a big difference if a trip overseas is tax deductible, whereas <laughs> if it's at, with after-tax after dollars. So you know, obviously the ATO monitor things like that, but you know where it's legitimate, um, it does make it a bit more flexible for people to travel with a business purpose. Yeah, that legitimacy question is is an interesting one because you know with so many people working from home, it's a sort of it's blurring those lines. You know, the work life balance lines are certainly blurring, uh, or more so perhaps than they were, you know, again generations ago. Which maybe it's a good thing, and not just working from home, but working from other locations. Yeah. So it's um, look, I think it's possible. It's healthy. We should always be exploring these various different options, and you have to keep living. I think gone are the days where people just stick to one particular routine for the next 30 or 40 years. I think it's it's a given, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, one of the things I wanted to circle back on was this idea of the plan. Again, you know, I would suggest that, you know, that the journey is a long one and stopping to review every 12 months is, is, is a worthwhile exercise. You know, do you guys think 12 months is enough? Should, we be, should it be more frequent than that? It probably depends on the goals of the person. Mm. Well, I think Rod mentioned before it's all very individual. 
Yeah, we're probably fine for maintenance. Every 12 months is probably a good thing. But I guess the main issue is, you know, when there are big decisions to be made or big decisions are made that advice is providing provided around around those things. Um, I know we've got a meeting coming up later today with an owner of a pr- pretty big um you know, farmland that's been converted to residential. So obviously, when that decision's made to convert that to a um, to a sale, that's going to have a huge impact for the family. So obviously, they need advice and direction around making that decision mm-hmm. for sure. It's a trigger point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think it's 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 good to be thinking ahead and 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 knowing roughly where where you want to be going, or at least having some idea. And I think just as we sort of start drawing this conversation to a close um you know i'd like to get some of your comments on this idea of not just compound interest but compound advice you know setting someone off on the right direction with advice at an early early stage um you guys got some ideas or inspiration or you know words of wisdom you could pass on to someone who's listening who actually hasn't sought advice before would you tell them yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned about the consistency of it. I remember a, a client we had come on board, uh, it's probably 15 years ago, they were a, a doctor and had had equity in a medical clinic. But when you look back on the stages of advice um, with that particular client, they were, they were from England and um, they brought across a, a pension and that sort of thing. And, and obviously in that journey is super property, also, you know, risk insurance. So your life covers and income protection, things like that. But an advice document could be drawn up, you know, nearly every year, depending on the, the client situation. And we have found that those that seek advice consistently and go ahead with advice, it generally frees them up to make some really good decisions. So that that particular client was steadfast that they wanted to retire at 60. They did it. Um, they might have had other advisors in their camp saying, well, why don't you keep working? You're making plenty of money. But when they were very focused on their goal, um, they achieved that. They've now moved out of the region we live, moved to another region in Victoria and live a pretty comfortable lifestyle on an acreage close to family, grandchildren and that sort of thing. So, yeah, sometimes you know, we talk about the grind, but the grind can be worth it, um, it can be consistently boring but (laughs) ultimately if you're working towards a goal and you're benchmarking it each year and you've got support around you and you can get some pretty good results Mm. it's definitely less boring when you've got something in mind Mm. you know it's um and again this idea that i'm you know i'm going through this the book atomic habits at the moment which which is fantastic if you haven't heard of it it's really good for anyone listening james clear i think is the author's name you know, and he talks about just even your exercise regime. You may not notice any any gains in your in your exercise for the first twelve months, but suddenly, you know, suddenly two years later, mm. suddenly you look back and go, "Oh, geez, that actually has made a big difference." The compound you know, effect. You, yeah, the yeah. compound effect. Exactly. Yeah. You don't notice it for a while, but eventually, mm. um, you look back and go, "Well, that what that did make a big difference." And I think whether it's wealth or health or you know just aspirations, full stop. It's good to have something in mind and get going. Yep. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so how's the exercise regime going? Uh, not good at all. That's yeah. not good at all. <laughs> uh, not nearly as good as you guys. Uh, uh, look, just for the listeners' benefit, why don't you just give us a quick summary and then we'll wrap up. You guys exercise at least three to four times a week, don't you? Yeah, give or take five times a week, John, in the gym. So it's good. A bit of cardio, a bit of strength, a bit of movement. Keeps me going, yeah. keeps me sane. It's a stress relief. Yeah. And like you say, hopefully after 12 months, there's some gains. 
Rodney? Yeah, mine's a little bit of gym work and like this morning I didn't get to the gym but I did some light weights at home and yeah, did enough to get the body moving and and uh, so forth and the golf's good too. Like the walking around the golf course is definitely a good good thing to sort of you know build your muscle, a bit of cardio and maybe good for your heart and also just good being out in the environment as well, John. So, so probably so. pretty good for your mental health to be surrounded by an environment like that as much as you are. Mm, for sure yeah for sure yeah and look that's just a, a closing point you know it's wealth is is not just financial you know it's it's health and it's all things lifestyle and, and your own mental health um mm. you know mental wealth might you call it so you know these guys don't just talk the talk they walk the walk as well and credit to you to you guys for doing that any last comments before we wrap up guys it's been a pretty good podcast sounds like the next podcast is on the golf course <laughs> flexible microphone walking around <laughs> with that little putty and i'll actually drive the buggy <laughs> The drinks buggy. Yeah, the drinks buggy. <laughs> yep. I think I'll wait for you. Buggy. I'll be waiting for you at the 19th. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much for, for another good podcast. For anyone who's interested in having a more in-depth discussion about the things we've discussed today, please, by all means, reach out directly to Rodney and Jason. You'll find their contact information by visiting ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. But, of course, if you have your own financial advisors or trusted friends, you have your best interest at heart, reach out to them too. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening once again, and we'll catch you on our next installment of Conversations on Wealth. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please note that the advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description. 